your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, and I have a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. This podcast is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. First audio-only social platform just for sports fans like you. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's show, we are going to be continuing our free agent and trade tracker. We'll talk about some of the signings and extensions that have occurred, maybe a couple of trade transactions to facilitate other deals. But before we go too much further, I thought it would be really cool to talk about an interesting rumor from Darren Dreger's podcast particularly pertaining to Winnipeg's current roster situation. Obviously, the Jets haven't exactly been active in free agency, which you can understand. They brought on Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, so those are two pretty big contracts. They definitely moved out some assets for these guys. And they said afterwards that any sort of free agent move uh, looking for like a top nine forward would actually be a little bit difficult. You know, cost is certainly an issue. And so if you're looking at the amount of cap space they have with Andrew Kopp, Neil Pionk, and Logan Stanley all needing new deals, obviously things are a little bit tight. And so the interesting rumor that kind of popped up was that Winnipeg might be chasing a little bit more of a bigger fish. Now, a lot of us probably look at this and say a bigger fish, you know, for Jet standards, what does that mean? Usually the Jets are used to signing a lot of bottom feeder players, which it's understandable. This is a team that tends to be, I don't know, a little bit operationally frugal, I would describe it as. They look for a lot of depth players, and sometimes it doesn't really pan out. It's rare that they actually pull in somebody good like Dylan DeMello. But from Dreger's wording and stuff, it sounds like the Jets want something bigger. They want a a bigger piece of the puzzle, somebody to be a long-term member of the Jets, and a, a player that can really elevate this roster. Right now, only a handful of those names are going to be available, and of course, I think a lot of people are circling to Jack Eichel. Ironically enough, Eichel's camp actually just released a statement about the progress, or rather the lack of progress, made on his trade move, and the statement was less than glowing in terms of their review of Buffalo's performance. Um, Obviously, Jack Eichel's camp believes that if he gets this, this special surgery on a herniated disc, he'll be ready for next year. The Sabres medical staff disagrees, and certainly there has been quite a bit of dissension between the two parties, so... Now Eichel's camp is taking it public and trying to put pressure on management. I feel like this presents an interesting opportunity for teams that would be interested in maybe making an offer to the Sabres. If the uh, if the dissent is very public, and obviously this relationship has definitely gone south, then maybe the price is actually going to fall on Eichel. The letter also kind of gives you a timeline of when you could expect to get Eichel back in on the ice, and I feel like if he's ready at the start of the season, he's uh, still a pretty valuable trade commodity. Enter the Jets, and this is one of the teams that I think could actually make use of Eichel. I don't 100% know how they would actually fit this under the cap, because, let's be honest, the Jets probably need to make a few moves here. But if Winnipeg decided to shake up the core and move a couple of players out, maybe move some major salary pieces, relocate a couple of guys that, you know, are, are certainly important players, but maybe not on the level of a Jack Eichel, I'm talking maybe Vili Heinola, you know, Cole Perfetti, other top-end prospects as part of a package with some salary, I could see this being a workable thing. 
Now, I would be less inclined to trade guys like Heinola and Perfetti. I'd look at some other prospects and maybe some higher-end picks before trying to maybe move Heinola first. I still think Vili has a bright future for the Jets, and I feel like he's going to be part of a very important piece of the core, you know, going forward, and certainly part of this, this competitive group. But, you know, Sandberg and some of the other players, maybe not as crucial. I think the biggest issue is, is if you're trading for Eichel, it actually has to be a pretty good trade package. And so from Winnipeg's perspective, I would say that there's almost nothing that should be untouchable. If you have to move Shifley in a deal, you do it. I think Eichel would be a major upgrade. That is, if his health is in good order, but otherwise I feel like this guy is very clearly the franchise center the Jets would be looking for. He would easily dominate down the middle. He brings defensive responsibility. He's got great vision and passing. Of course, his shooting and offensive creativity are both cracked. I mean, Eichel is a phenomenal player, and so I think the Jets have an opportunity here. This is a guy that you could anchor a franchise around. I still think they're looking for that face of the franchise ever since Patrick Laine was traded. I know that the Jets have had a couple of players that you could argue have filled that role in between. Nikolai Ehlers this year certainly is one. Mark Scheifele used to be one. But if Eichel were to step in, immediately he would be the de facto guy. I look at him as, in my mind, the lead number one. His voice and presence are commanding. His play on the ice says a lot about his character. I think that there's a very great opportunity for the Jets to massively improve their roster and start to push towards truly being competitive. I saw some other interesting discussions on Twitter. I, I talked about it on my timeline and some folks were like, ooh, you know, a couple of other players that might fit the bill. Andrei Svechnikov, Travis Konechny... Guys of that sort of caliber, and I feel like, yeah, you know, I'd be pretty down with Andrei Zvechnikov. I feel like if you're looking for a monster play driver with a huge shot who somehow just doesn't score for some reason, Svechnikov would be an amazing addition to the Jets. I feel like in terms of, like, transition ability, his creativity inside the offensive zone, and just being a really strong puck mover, this is the kind of player the Jets don't really have many of. The only other skater who kind of does what Svechnikov does would be Ehlers, but of course Ehlers' approach is very unique to Nick and no one else really does it in the NHL, so the comparisons are very high level, but that's the kind of play-driving ability that you'd be looking for. As far as Travis Konechny is concerned, Konechny is like more well-rounded Kyle Connor, which I wouldn't mind at all. I think Travis brings really great value on his contract. He's a very skilled forward with a great shot, really dangerous inside this low slot area. I've gotten to see him a couple of times. He's a very impressive forward, very much like an angry chihuahua inside the offensive zone, but he definitely has a ton of bite to his bark. This is a guy with a serious nasty edge. He loves to play in like a very offensive role, likes to drive towards the crease. You know, Konechny's very creative. He's got all the skills that you need, great edge work. I, I think his defensive game could probably still use a little bit of rounding out, but in general, Travis is a great player, somebody that I think the Jets would love. I could definitely see him and Zvechnikov being genuine targets. I still kind of hold a candle for Eichel, though. I feel like for that number one center the Jets have never really been able to find, he would be that guy for me. And I'd be curious to know what you think about this. Who would you trade for? Which player would you be looking to target? Maybe it's a free agent. Maybe it's somebody on the trade market. Or maybe it's a name we haven't even mentioned yet. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. And if you do, tell me your proposed trade ideas. Maybe I'll talk about them on one of our future episodes. For now, though, it is time to transition from hypotheticals into actuals. And in just a moment, we're going to be continuing our free agency and trade tracker coming up in just a moment. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now returning to our free agent and trade tracker. We've mostly done free agent stuff over the past couple of days. There have been a couple of trade transactions, some of which are a little bit more interesting than others. I mean, most of these aren't like, you know, knock your socks off kind of deals, but 
couple of trades here and there, a little bit uh, eyebrow raising. Before we actually return to the stuff that has actually happened, though, I thought I would talk about one particular free agent, uh, or I, I should say contract extension, that is currently being worked on, and it honestly sounds like it's going to be a doozy. This contract is for Darnell Nurse, and it sounds like, according to reports, it's going to be coming in at around $9 million a season. Darnell is a very interesting player because he's basically a defender who does the exact opposite. He's less interested in defending and more in being incredibly aggressive in the offensive zone. This dude, in every single shift that I've seen him, constantly jumps into the offensive play. It often allows him to score tons of goals, but you can kind of tell that he cheats for a lot of his offense, and so his defensive work tends to be mm, not so polished, but... I guess if you're scoring tons of goals and you're generating a crap ton of offense in the other end of the ice, maybe you can be forgiven for that. But then you're starting to talk about being paid $9 million a season. I don't know about that. I mean, Wierenski just got paid around the same amount. Uh, you know, Seth Jones is getting that similar kind of contract. I don't know what is going on with the free agent market right now and the extensions that have been signed, but a lot of these contracts are just mind-blowingly way too big. You know, there's a flat cap coming up, and I know a lot of folks are like, well, we need to have cost certainty and map out the future for the next couple of seasons. But I don't think that means you need to sign these guys for almost $10 million a year. Is Nurse actually worth that contract ask? No, probably not. I think a couple of other players I'd rate higher than he is right now, but, you know, those guys all got underpaid too, so... Who's to even say in this really stupid market? I mean, it's crazy, but the, the more that I see a lot of these free agent contracts being signed, the more I kind of worry about what Neil Pionk is going to be asking for. Maybe he takes a major discount somehow and actually signs for $6 million or less. I don't think it's fair to ask him to do that, but if that's what he's looking for, you know, in terms of a, uh, a contract ask, then the Jets hopefully sign it sooner rather than later. But if he actually wants closer to what guys like Nurse and Jones and the rest are getting paid... Ooh, might be better to move him to greener pastures where he can actually get that contract. I don't think the Jets are in a really good spot to be handing out that kind of money, nor would I want them to. I like Pionk a lot, but almost 10 mil or even, you know, 8 mil a season would be just way, way, way too high. You'd be paying for a guy who was expected to be a first-pairing defender, but Neil is probably more like a number two to number three, so on the fringes of being worth around that contract, but still a decent chunk removed from it. Over the next week or so, I'm sure we'll find out more as the Jets try and close out some of these contract extensions. Maybe they make a couple of trades. If they are looking for a major forward, maybe Pionk or Cop or someone like that would actually figure into one of these trade packages. So something to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, but hey, the Jets have done really good work so far in this offseason. I think that there is more reason to be optimistic this time than usual. Of course, those contracts have yet to hit, so let's take a look at the contracts from other teams that have actually been signed. We've got a couple of interesting ones to start us off with. Leah Sanderson has re-signed with the LA Kings at one year for around 875. Anderson is mostly known for being the Rangers prospect who threw his, was it silver or bronze medal, into the stands when he was, I think, in the World Juniors. There was a bit of a falling out between him and the Rangers management in terms of where he felt his career was and where they sort of envisioned him reaching his pro potential, so Anderson ended up getting cut loose. He went to LA. I don't know that he's actually been tracking towards much of an NHLer other than being a guy who could probably play on the fourth line, but hey, LA doesn't really have all that many forwards. Anderson's cheap. Maybe he can carve out a role as a fourth-line center or something. We've also got Tyson Jost, another interesting depth forward, signing for two years at around $2 million per season. Jost, a couple of years ago, was, like, super hyped. I know that a lot of people were very interested to see where his uh, career trajectory was going to take him. I think a lot of people kind of got blinded by his performances for Team Canada, thinking that he'd be, like, this crazy, crazy good center. And, and really, Jost... 
He's mostly like a third-line center with some defensive responsibilities. He can occasionally chip in offensively. He, I think, has been used on the penalty kill before. He's just a versatile depth guy that you want to sign for a couple of seasons, get a little bit of value out of him, and uh, kind of go from there. You're not really looking for a ton of money on him, but in terms of a two-year bridge kind of deal, I think it's fine for both parties. Maybe Jost can actually start to really ramp up his offensive production and earn a major contract extension after that. One of the more underrated signings that kind of went a little bit under the radar is the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning signing Alex Barboulet for uh, three years at around 875000 per season. Maybe a little bit less than that. Basically, this is a dirt-cheap contract. Uh, I think that Barboulet might have actual potential as being something of an NHLer down the road. Uh, I think his AHL numbers, if I recall correctly, were looking pretty decent. I know that his QMJHL numbers were pretty crazy, and it seems like when he went to the, uh, the, the AHL affiliate for Tampa, he actually had pretty good results. He's got a knack for goal scoring, and I feel like he could be a nice depth forward to replace some of their guys like, uh, you know, Yanni Gord and some of the other players that they've let go. Tyler Johnson just moved on. Tampa's roster is getting more and more gaps where they can start to fill in some of their AHL players into those roles. I know the Syracuse Crunch have uh, routinely been a source of great NHL talent. This is one of those teams that, even though I think their AHL performances may be a little bit lackluster, um, a couple of years they had some success, but recently maybe not so good. All that said, they seemingly support a lot of really good Tampa Bay players, and I feel like Barboulet might just be the next one. We'll find out in, in due time. I think he's got an interesting shot. He strikes me as yet another one of those Tampa Bay players that could end up being found money if everything goes well. The last deal we're going to talk about right now is Filipito resigning for two years at $2.3 million per season with the New York Rangers. This contract is very much a show-me bridge. Heedle is is right now kind of thrust in a depth role. I think a lot of Rangers fans a couple of years ago were hoping that, you know, Heedle would start to develop into like a top sixer. Thus far, Phillips' value, especially offensively, hasn't really approached that. He's still firmly entrenched in the more third-line role, but you sign a guy like this for two years, I think you're doing okay. It could be a lot worse. Uh, you know, Heedle... He's one of their, I guess you could call, homegrown prospects. Not really a player that's from that area, but Heedle's been coming up through their system for a couple of years now, so hopefully he starts to find his footing. That Rangers team is very young. A team with a brighter future, so long as Drury doesn't screw it up. Actually, he's made a couple of moves that uh, one of them I think would be worth talking about in a future segment, but... We'll hold off on analyzing that for now, just kind of taking the uh, the Heedle signing at face value. A nice step forward, a decent contract price. Really can't go wrong for a player like this. You know, it is what it is. Maybe Heedle will one day morph into something a little bit more, but for now, he is going to be a, a quality third-line winger. There were plenty more contracts and trades, and we'll talk about one of the most puzzling moves that the Rangers have made, one that I alluded to just a second ago, in just a moment. Before we go too much further, though, I did want to tell you about why Bilt Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. 
Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Folks, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now closing out tonight's show with some thoughts on additional signings and free agents, as well as uh, some trades here and there. I think there's only one major trade that's worth discussing, and even then it's not like a super big deal, but maybe we'll take a look at a couple of other transactions as well. As far as free agents are concerned, though, one of the other ones that kind of caught my eye is Danton Heinen signing for one year at $1.1 million at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Danton was at one point at least a slightly heralded prospect with the Boston Bruins, but of course he has found his way into a more depth role with the Penguins. I think he's the kind of player that, you know, they seem to really enjoy signing. He's got enough skill, defensive effort, and just general well-roundedness that makes him a versatile third-line forward. I don't think Heinen's offensive potential was ever really realized as like a top six forward, but as a depth player, he's fine. You sign him for one year, it's nice depth for the Penguins. I feel like he's a, a very Mike Sullivan kind of player, and I'm sure he'll get along just fine in a system that'll probably favor his skill sets. One of the other major contracts that was handed out was Jake Bean signing for three years at around $2.3 million per season. Bean's still kind of in the stage of his career where I feel like you don't want to commit a lot of money up front to him just because... I think there's a lot in his prospect profile and certainly some of his early pro returns that suggests he's going to be a long-term NHL defender, but I don't know if you want to sign him for a very expensive long-term contract. Just give him a couple years, see how he grows into his role, and if he's somebody that you want to keep around, then you can sign him long-term. This is a good bridge to kind of jump off of and, and see how things go, but Bean would be a really nice top four defender with Columbus if everything pans out. Maybe he even ends up on their first pairing one day. Of the free agent signings, I don't know if any of them were as controversial as Anthony D'Angelo signing for one year at $1 million with the Carolina Hurricanes. If you somehow have avoided D'Angelo news or, or don't really know that much about him, a lot of the controversy around him, you know, some people said it's his personal views, but I think the biggest issue was the allegations of racial slurs that he hurled against his fellow teammates when he was playing in the juniors. In subsequent interviews with his family members and stuff, it kind of seems like everyone in his family is very much wired the same way, so I don't know if D'Angelo has really learned since then. Obviously, it's been many years, but with the stuff that he posts on social media and whatnot, it's really hard to know if he's ever really grown as a person. The last we saw of him was the, uh, the New York Rangers. He was getting into a fist fight with his team's goalie, so that's not a great sign that he has grown as a person, but maybe the time away from the league is going to have changed him. I don't know. It tends to be with these sorts of players and stuff. They, they don't really grow up immediately, and, and people don't change all that often. It takes time if they do, so I don't think Tony has really learned, and I don't know why the Carolina Hurricanes felt it necessary to give him a contract. I get that they just lost Dougie Hamilton and they want a really quality top four right-handed D, which D'Angelo technically is, but he's just not worth all of the baggage that comes with him. It's a puzzling contract and a PR move for a team that frankly has had nothing but great press and I don't understand why they felt the need to tarnish their image. I know a lot of season ticket holders are already canceling, so interesting that they did not adjust course on this one. We saw another defender get signed in Alexander Edler for one year at $3.5 million with the LA Kings. I don't really get this contract. I mean, I like Edler as a defender, but I feel like if you're signing him for $3.5 million, you're kind of overpaying for what he brings. Alex is still capable of being like a number four defender, but you can definitely tell his lack of foot speed is starting to get to him. A couple of times we've seen him get beat flat-footed while he was trying to turn around. We've seen the Jets kind of pace him, which, if the Jets are beating you in a foot race, probably not a great day for you. I'm sure he'll get plenty of ice time and perform at a reasonable level, but beyond that, yeah, he's he's on the older side. He's closer to retirement. 
the Kings definitely are doing something. There were a handful of interesting trades as well, the more notable one being Will Butcher traded to the Buffalo Sabres along with a 2022nd fifth round pick in exchange for future considerations. This was just a clear off cap for Dougie Hamilton. You know, Butcher was probably in Hamilton's spot, and at 3.73-ish per season, having his cap hit come off the books gave them a little bit more breathing room, and now they have, you know, Dougie Hamilton anchoring that top four. So, all in all, I think, you know, the, the Sabres probably got a nice top four defender, a guy who could probably be a second-pairing guy long-term, but for the Devils, they're just happy to get the cap space. The other really puzzling trade that kind of came out, um, this one I think was really sort of out of out of nowhere, was Ryan Reeves for a third-round pick. Now, I don't know why the Rangers thought that they really needed to acquire Reeves. I know that Drury wants to make his team tougher, but it just doesn't really make sense. Reeves is kind of a net negative on the ice. I don't know that he really provides much value. And like a third round pick is kind of whatever. But, you know, Ryan doesn't really offer you much except a suspension. It is a strange trade to be sure, but I guess the Rangers want to redefine their legacy and image. So, yeah, whatever that team is going to be next year, it's it's going to be Drury's team, and I'm not really sure that it's going to be all that amazing. But maybe they proved me wrong. There are plenty of other trade transactions and, and free agent signings that are going to be happening over the next couple of days, so I'll be sure to keep you up to date over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be shifting into off-season mode for most of August, so just be prepared for a reduced volume of, of podcast episodes. I'm sure you've got other things to do, so don't forget to stay tuned for when we have a new episode, and we will update you with any crazy Jets moves and things that happen in between. For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. Before you log off, don't forget to check out our live NBA draft show. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!